a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. On this episode of First Lady and Friends, my friend Ashley Smith, who is also a board member on our show up board, was here talking about her adventures this year as her and her husband acquired the jazz and all the things that they're doing. She's an entrepreneur in her own right. She's amazing. Join the conversation. Let's get proximate. Welcome to First Lady and Friends. Today we have another of our amazing um, show up board members who um, is someone that I wanted to get to know, so I asked her to be on my board. <laughs> I just um, was so excited to to meet Ashley Smith. Um, we're so excited to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, super excited. Um, and then we, you know, after after we met, we've we've had an opportunity to really collaborate on a few things, and it's just been such an honor to to get to know you. Um, and and for those who don't know you or or who are um, curious about your background, let's let's talk about where you grew up, your family, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, first of all, the honor is all mine, getting to know you. I absolutely adore you and your husband. So it's been fun to be on the board and get to know you better. Um, but yeah, I was actually born in Sandy, Utah, and my parents divorced and we moved to Las Vegas. My mom and her four children, we all moved to Las Vegas when I was about six. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so then I was raised there. And... um that's kind of where I fell in love with my biggest passions in life, like dance and the arts. And I came to BYU for school and truly, truly thought I'm coming here for school and we'll go right back to Vegas because I loved I loved growing up there. Um, and I really wanted to raise my family and kids there. And now I'm here and I think I will be forever because <laughs> – I'm the biggest Utah fan ever now. So, yeah. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I think I think we a lot of times, yeah, want to – I know growing up in a small town and saying, like, I'm going to get out of here and I'm never going to come back. <laughs> yeah, I think with Vegas, people – there's such a negative connotation with yeah. Vegas or maybe not even negative but just, like, not real. <laughs> kind yeah, of like the, the party. There's the, like – fake. Drip world, right. Vegas. And then there's the rest of Vegas. Yeah. And yeah. I so loved the rest of Vegas that it was almost like this is a secret that people don't understand how amazing this city is and how amazing the people are and the opportunities and the weather and everything. And so, yeah, I, I just you also, you know, you love what you know. So I really thought I would I would spend my life there after I finished college. So. 
So when you were at BYU, was it like, I'm still going back to Vegas? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, Ryan and I dated for a lot of years and the whole time I was kind of kept on the table. Well, I'm going to go back to Vegas. (laughs) Good luck with whatever you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Let me know if that lines up. But yeah, I didn't. Now I'm here. So Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you guys met while you were at BYU? Yeah. Yep. We met. We had... We were taking some of the same classes. We met at a party at Sundance, and we were in some of the same classes, and just then we saw each other in the Cougar Eat. I mean, it's a really typical, awesome BYU <laughs> story. And yeah, then we just, we dated for quite a few years, and then after school, we continued to date, and then, yeah, we got married in 2006. Mm, so Very cool. And now you have... Five kids. Five yep. children. Five yeah. amazing, awesome, fun, the greatest children on the planet. And yeah, so they keep us busy. So great. With and you guys others. are still in Utah County. Even. Yeah. 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 We so love great. it there. So great. So. Well, it's been fun. And you and I think people know you from <laughs> the, this last year. I think there were maybe sure. a few people that did not know you <laughs> and that now have heard your name many times. Uh, mentioned this year. Tell me about your exciting year and things that have happened. Yeah, I mean, it's been exciting. The, I mean, my whole marriage has been exciting. Ryan is, Ryan is a very special human, yeah. <laughs> and he just kind of creates magic wherever he goes, and it's really fun to be a part of. Um, so you know, the the ride of Qualtrics of him building Qualtrics was a was a fun and adventurous and kind of crazy ride. And he ended up with a lot of notoriety, I think, but I was able to kind of stay in the wings and that's where I'm happiest, to be honest. Um, And he is great. He is great in front of a crowd. He is great in person. And I think I am too. I'm just a smaller group person, maybe. Um, No, I can, I can relate to that. I really can. Um, You know, Spencer, like if he can get up in front of a crowd, that's where he's happy. He yeah. loves, he gets energy from that. That terrifies me. Yeah. And I've seen that energy in him. It's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And sometimes I envy it a little bit. I know. For sure with Ryan. <laughs> but then there's other times I'm really comfortable with, you know. Yeah. Small groups. I mean, that's just where I like, that's where I like to be. But, um, so yeah, the, the jazz situation has definitely pulled me out of the wings and, and made the groups a little bigger, but that's okay. I, I can pivot and learn and grow with that. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit. I mean, we'll we'll get into the jazz stuff, um, but just just what have you learned, sort of, about Utah? I mean, because you've get, got thrown in as basically a leader in the state. Um, I, I just think as as a business leader of a business that prominent. And people have a lot of opinions yeah, about the jazz. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Which, <laughs> as, as they do with everything. Which is good, though, right? Yeah. It's, and and here's, here's what, what I've learned, is that we already loved Utah. And we loved the jazz. And we loved skiing. And we loved the people here. And we loved the entrepreneur vibe that's all over this whole state. And so we were excited that, Gail kind of trusted us with an opportunity to go help push that brand. Um, but what I would, was not anticipating, because I already loved Utah, but I was not anticipating to love it more. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't anticipating. It's kind of like all the layers of the onion keep coming off. And it's just greatness at every level. And 
everywhere I turn, there's more incredible people and there's more strong-willed people and there's more scrappy people. And and I, I'm sure those people exist everywhere, but there is something about Utah that people just have a burning desire to create and to do good and to innovate. And it's it's just really rad. Yeah. And so it made that job of pushing the right brand for Utah, it made it even easier. I mean, it's just getting easier. Honestly, yeah. as like things unfold, it just gets easier because the people in this state are incredible. And the jazz, the reason why I like the people have opinions is because whether they agree or not about what's happening with the jazz, the jazz is really unifying. And so when we have all this divisiveness and so much going on that is in conflict, even if we're disagreeing about the colors of the <laughs> of the logo, we're still unified over the jazz. And that's that's fun. And it's really fun that because of the environment of this state, we attract awesome players. We attract awesome team members of this whole organization. Um that fit with the vibe and that's just more to unify over. I mean, who yeah. doesn't want to unify over the team that had the best record last season? Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. When we talk about tribalism and a lot of times that's, we, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about it a little bit as, as a real negative, you know, sometimes we see these political tribes and, and, and we're not, you know, we're not treating each other well, but um, the jazz tribe, I think it's powerful and I think it's fun and I think you're exactly right. I think it is a chance for us to come together and and connect in a really fun way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that any tribe that the end goals are positive. Yeah. I mean, I somewhere some somewhere I read something to the effect of why youth will join a gang is because they want to feel a part of something. Yes. And then they have these these rituals or they have mantras or they have whatever it is that unifies them symbols or, and that makes them feel a part of something. And so as long as whatever these tribes were creating, even if they're political tribes, as long as the end goal is upward motion and positivity, and as long as we include kindness along the way, I think I the more that. tribes, the better. I love that. Because we feel like we're a part of something. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love that thought that, that, you know, it, they're not, inherently bad no uh, tribes are no. we, we need and we crave connection yes we absolutely and feeling a part of something yeah feeling, feeling like alone. belonging yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah. well you have you you mentioned a little bit about your passions and and you've you've talked about ryan's entrepreneurism and and sort of qualtrics in that journey that you guys have been on together but you are an entrepreneur in your own right and and in your own sphere. So let's talk a little bit about um, the the things that you do. <laughs> yeah. So I started a dance studio in 2007. We had only been married a year. And um, for sure, my passion is in the arts. Like that is how I like to communicate. I receive communication really well through art. Um, so I've got a ton of passion there and I wanted to kind of go after that a little and also, yeah, the kind of the different genres and systems that I was raised dancing within, I had kind of done the work for the teaching credentials at the time. So we kind of just decided maybe we just try this and we had an unfinished basement and Ryan was 
awesomely supportive at the time and let's let's turn the basement into a dance studio and you can teach little girls around the neighborhood dance. And that's kind of how it started. And it just it grew. I think I had you know, the dance world is is typically pretty toxic and especially fifteen years ago and and further than that, further back than that, it's such a hard culture. It's a really hard environment. There's so much comparison. It's really competitive. Um, lots of body image issues because they're, it's known for the discrimination based on your body type. And that leads to lots of issues. And um, the comparison culture and, you know, there was maybe even an underlying norm of you do whatever you have to do to get to the top. And and if that means sacrifice your own health or or body or mental health, you do it to get to the top. And that it, it was really prevalent in the industry back back then. And I would say it's still pretty strong today. But that was a big motivating factor for me. Um, when we moved to Vegas when I was young, that's when I started dance dancing and. The dance studio was a place where I went to just kind of like get away from everything else that maybe wasn't going how I wanted or envisioned. And so I kind of wanted to provide that for dancers as well. And the really cool thing about any business or any venture we start, anything we start, is how it kind of grows and morphs. And and over the years, it's turned into – to yeah, like a really safe place, I hope, mm-hmm. and a place where dancers can come confidently, grow and be themselves and accept themselves. So it's been a fun adventure for sure. And I love it. <laughs> I have no intention of stopping teaching anytime soon. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and I love that you brought up, you know, the, the, body image because I think when you know those of us that maybe aren't sort of in the dance world or in in that you know that sphere I think you know we think of dance moms and you know these that toxic environment yes, and I can is, see yeah and that's obviously an exaggerated environment and clear yeah but it's exaggerated based on what the norm is so yeah and the, and the body the body image stuff I think it's so powerful what you're trying to do to really um, provide a different way to think about our bodies. I love that. Yeah, let's hope. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so good. Um, yeah, I want to keep talking about this and, and your passion here with your dance studio and things you're doing. Um, we'll continue this conversation. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. We are here with Ashley Smith. She and her husband, Ryan, owners of the Utah Jazz, as well as she uh, is the owner of a dance studio. Tell me the name of your dance studio. Smash Dance Academy. Smash Dance Academy. <laughs> I, I knew that and then I had forgotten. And um, I, I just think it's interesting because we sort of intersect also with, you know, teaching because education, you're, you're, you're around these kids. Uh, every day and you've been doing this for 15 years and we've been talking a lot about mental health and and the things that kids are struggling with now we're, we're talking about how they that we can teach them these skills these emotional self-resilient skills but what have you seen um in sort of the the in your students as it relates to mental health in the last 15 years yeah well um I, i'm going to share a story about a dancer quite a few years back, actually, she was, um, she came to me super coordinated. She had been a tumbler and she was really coordinated, which made her fun to teach. She picked up things quickly. Um, but she struggled with, uh, maybe the style and the presentation kind of relaxing and actually performing. And so I spent a lot of time with her individually because she really wanted to be good. And so we spent a lot of time, her and I one-on-one, kind of working through some of this. And there came a point where she wanted to go to the studio when no one was there. She was wanting to go to the studio to practice or work on things. And at the time, I still have this rule, unless you're an employee, you can't be in the studio without employees there. And so I said that to her and she said, well, then why don't you make me an employee? And and at first I kind of questioned that, but then I decided, okay, all right, well, why don't you start assisting some classes? So she started assisting me in classes and I hired her. And then she was, I let her go to the space when, you know, she didn't have class or there were, when there was free studio time. And um, not only did that kind of lead to where I now have, I currently have 30 employees who are assistants mm. and probably 20 of them are currently students. So that that not only started this path of empowering these dancers to work and to be responsible and to figure out money handling and to kind of dive into that aspect, but um, it gave her and all of them the opportunity where, okay, well, I trust you with this space. I trust you with this building. And what is interesting is that she wrote me a letter five years ago. And she, in her letter, like word for word, she said, when I had nowhere else to go, I could, I could go to the studio. <clears throat> and clearly it's close to my heart because that was a moment for me where I decided this has to be a really safe environment. Mm -hmm. And I have to continue this path of no matter what's happening outside of the studio in your life, you can come here and feel safe. And we all have trials coming at us and and different things that were happening for her or for any of my students at school or different things that are happening in neighborhoods or at home or wherever. But the idea that they could come to this space and it, that is safety, that is where they feel they can thrive and they can grow, um, that was exciting to me. And that's when I decided I need to implement some core values. And it started off with, I think, two. And it grew over a couple years to we now have five and a half. And it's been there for a few years. But um, 
The idea is that I hire for these core values. We do monthly teacher meetings and trainings so that we are continually focused on these core values and that not only are we teaching art and we are teaching youth to communicate in a different way and to feel empowered, but we are teaching them to be good humans, mm. hopefully, at yeah. least like in this aspect of their life. And so, yeah, we we talk about empowered. We are empowered. And that means that we have the power to grow and get better. And then we talk about we are respectful. And that means we are respectful of each other. We are respectful of ourselves and of our bodies. We are respectful of our teachers. We are respectful of the parents that come in and out of the studio. We are respectful of the building and the facilities that we use. So we kind of talk about all of those things. We talk about being introspective, which means we are looking at our own movements, but we are also looking at our own thoughts and our own emotions and how we are contributing to the environment at Smash. Um, and we are transparent, meaning we communicate and we ask questions when we're confused and we talk about the things that don't feel good to talk about, but that we need to talk about. And that all kind of leads to the half, which is there's no drama. Because if we can embody all of those core values and if we are constantly teaching and communicating and learning with those values in mind, that it really limits the amount of drama that's happening. And and I am really lucky to have the staff that I do and the team that, that I get to work with because I have selected people who embody these characteristics and who know how to teach it and communicate it and who will constantly remind the students, you're not being respectful of yourself right now mm -hmm. when you're talking negatively about what you just did. or And, and just trying to constantly kind of drive these ideas home. Um. And how that all comes back to mental health is just that anybody who who has dealt with mental health on any level um, knows that we have to start from an even playing field and that mental health means you're probably not. Yeah. And if we can try and f live these core values, you have a little better chance of starting from an even playing field. But when you're starting from negative 20 because you're battling anxiety or depression or a myriad of, of issues, it is hard to get to ground zero, better yet to go get on a rocket ship and succeed. So the idea is that these core values are giving us an even playing field. We all walk into the studio on this even playing field because we're trying our hardest to be respectful of ourselves and to, to empower ourselves and to think twice and to communicate and to clarify and to talk it out and to not have to deal with drama so that we can start from even even playing field. Oh, my gosh. Just that's super powerful. Hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no. you know, the verdict is out. But in the meantime, it feels good. It yeah. feels good to be at Smash. It feels good to be with students who want to be healthy. And I have a, had a myriad of experiences with students with depression and anxiety and different things that are that are haunting them. And we talk about it and we say, OK, let's go get you to an even playing field so that you have the same chance that everybody else does. So, wow. I mean, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. And no, I, I do. I, I think we you um, what's what we've been talking about in education, too, is that. Well, and in, in, in all the spaces that we've been working in is that one caring adult. 
And I think that's what's amazing of, about what you're doing. You're that one caring adult for so many, as well as the the folks you're training to be that one caring adult in the in their child. Well, and they're the training life. me. I mean, I, yeah. I have been lucky. I have an awesome team and everyone has the same focus. And if if you don't, you don't last long. You kind of filter out quickly because it's it's hard to teach dance <laughs> and it's hard to teach good humanness on top of dance. <laughs> like it's it's very hard to do and it's hard to maintain. And luckily I have an awesome team who they're teaching me all the time. And you know what else? The students are teaching me all of the time. And they hear me apologize nonstop because I mess up all the time. Or I'll say something and regret saying it and, and they get to hear me apologize and see me try and not do it again. And they do the same. Yeah. And so in that in that environment, we're just teaching each other. Oh, yeah, you're going to apologize, so I'm going to apologize. Oh, you're going to forgive yourself, I'm going to forgive myself. So Beautiful. I don't know that it's me, it's this team, and it's everybody who goes to Smash knows this is the deal. Yeah. So they're choosing this environment. Yeah. Well, and so, in, in setting up that leadership style, it's it's beautiful. And I, I think, um, again, empowering and all those things that you're <laughs> teaching, I think it's, it's absolutely, uh, you know, it's so cool because what you're teaching, I think, is basically and, and what you're embodying is is kind of, you know, has has sort of bled over into what you guys are doing with the jazz. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about, first of all, let's talk about how did this all come about? This is crazy. You guys, I did hear a little bit. I think we heard a little rumor that maybe, you know, we, we heard rumors floating around for lots of years. <laughs> um, and I think we knew you guys were, you know, interested in buying a team, some team. Um, we, we, I don't think I ever thought that, that the Millers were, would be in a place None where they were did. right no, like i didn't think that sure was not. ever a thing that was going to happen no i mean yeah and and to be honest yeah i am still like i am sitting here mind blown <laughs> that gail <laughs> trusts us enough because what she and larry built is incredible and so i'm still mind blown that she would trust anyone with with such a jewel you know yeah. um and when you say interested in NBA team, I mean, for me, it was always, it's the jazz or bust. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually think it's that way for Ryan, too. I mean, we are jazz fans. And that is something that developed together. We developed that together. It's not like we just, we met each other and said, oh, you like the jazz? I like the jazz. Let's get married. <laughs> That's not what happened. And I think we both have, for sure, childhood memories of the jazz. I mean, my dad is a diehard fan. Ryan grew up going to games, but that wasn't, you know, that wasn't like a goal that we had set, but together and with our kids, we developed this massive love for the jazz and five for the fight, um, which was Ryan's baby with some of his colleagues, um, was a really cool opportunity to get involved mm -hmm. and to, to do the Jersey patch and to be sponsors and to be a part. And, at the end of the day, Ryan is a massive basketball fan, and that is for sure one of his areas of passion. And it was cool when, when the patch aligned with that passion. And then when the opportunity came for, you know, another NBA team, the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, that was that was, it was a hard but awesome growing moment for us as a couple. Um 
because we really had to work through something that was hard. Um, and I am really thankful looking back. I'm thankful that we trust each other. I'm thankful that we talk openly about things that are not easy to talk openly about. And, and at the time, Ryan was really excited about this really good deal. And jazz, not jazz, excuse me, NBA teams don't come across your lap every day. For sure, there's 30. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) So it's not an opportunity that comes around a lot. And so when it just did not feel right to me, and I mean, to be honest, it broke my heart. Like the thought of us not being able to to go to jazz games with our kids was so heartbreaking for me. And knowing how much Ryan would have to travel, I mean, he already, we spent a lot of our marriage with him traveling a lot, but I just knew that would be intense. And I just could not wrap my head around not being a jazz fan. I remember one day being like, so we can't keep our, we can't keep the patch and the seats. <laughs> and he was like, five for the fight can keep the patch, but we cannot. And and it was just, it was hard. And for me to look at my spouse and tell him this awesome opportunity financially that makes sense for your passion and is here in front of us, doesn't feel right to me, is not an easy conversation. And that it was a lot of conversations. And at the end of the day, the fact that he trusted me, it's awesome. And that will be a building bridge for us forever because... He trusted me and he listened and I reserve my nose because of that. And, and also I'm respectful of he trusted me. I mean, we actually had a conversation this week where I kind of wanted to, to, to fight it a little bit and go against him and, and maybe play devil's advocate. And then I thought to myself, okay, make sure you remember you need him to trust you when you need him to trust you. And so it was it's a good it's good to remember like he does trust me and i'm so thankful for that relationship and um he went to gail one last time and said hey i have this opportunity and she said good luck son right like <laughs> you go do what you need to do in minnesota and and then i kind of was like we can't do this so we shut the door and we were going to be the best sponsorship of all time. We were going to be the best jersey patch of all time, right? And and that's kind of where we landed. And I think when a door opened a few months later, that was just kind of the world coming together how it was supposed to. So it was a cool moment That's for us. so cool. That seriously is so cool. <laughs> I yeah, Spencer and I it's well documented our our love of the jazz as well. Yes. <laughs> I think we we share that passion with you and Ryan like I mean like we're a little bit older. So, you know, we're we're talking, you know, from the time we were little. I mean, it was just everything revolved around the jazz. It's our only team. It's our yeah. only professional team and has been our whole lives and it's just anyway. So, yeah, we 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 feel your passion there, but what I think is beautiful is 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 the trust in your partnership with each other um, and the trust that, that he has in you and that you have in him. That's And, and that's so cool. And I'm sure that's what Gail saw. Um, I really do. I think, you know, we've seen that a little bit, but, I, you know, now I can see what what Gail saw and, and why he why she and the whole entire family trusted you with the, with. Their baby, you know, this is their, as, as pa- passionate as we feel about the jazz. Like this is literally their 
their baby right. that they that they they started, created. they created, they built <laughs> this whole thing. Anyway, so it's it's fun. Um, but I want to keep talking about the jazz um, and and sort of beyond basketball uh because basketball is important, and 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 you don't get everything else without basketball. But talk about some of the passion projects that that go along with with the team and the things you're doing. So we'll be right back. We're here with Ashley Smith. She and Ryan have had an incredible year, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, really busy, really crazy, and what what a cool partnership we're learning about, and and their relationship is it's it's really inspiring. Um, but and basketball is great, and I grew up playing basketball, and I love it so much. And I used to actually dream about marrying um, uh, Malone, Carl Malone, because I <laughs> actually was completely in love with him. But um, but basketball is awesome, and and it and it's a sort of a a vehicle. But you, the Millers, always talked about this idea of stewardship. And you've talked about what an honor it was um, for them to trust you, but they're they're trusting you with a stewardship. How how do you guys feel about that, and how is it going so far? Um, well, it's actually well. First of all, it's empowering <laughs> yeah. to have someone ha- trust you to be the steward over something that is already incredible. Um, but also, it it it's awesome because. It makes it, it makes it worth it. You know, it, it can be heavy at times. It can be hard at times. And there's, there's no victim role here, but the stewardship is the part that really makes it exciting and worth it. And, um, I think we just see it as, I mean, it's an incredible platform that Gail and Larry built and what, what can we use that for to do good? And to make change and, and yeah, it just gives us responsibility. And so I think having responsibility with it, I mean, everybody wants a parade, right? (laughs) There's 30 teams and only one gets to win every year. Yep. And, but all 30 really want a parade. (laughs) (laughs) And and don't get me wrong. We talk about the parade all the time. <laughs> I know. And we do that too. <laughs> is for sure in the future plans. Yeah. But, you know, it's not going to happen every year and it's not going to happen who even knows when or if or, you know. So in the meantime, then what is kind of and, – and that's when the stewardship comes into play mm-hmm. is what else? What else is this for? And, I mean, I can just give you a few examples of – some things that we've been lucky enough to be involved with um, and that this platform has kind of given us a louder voice. Um, so the Encircle Homes, which Stephanie Larson started, is is one thing that we've definitely decided to put some of our power behind. Um, and Stephanie has built these homes um, to create safety yeah. and Again, it's kind of back to this concept of youth need safe places and they need to feel worthy and they need to feel like they can be their true selves. And these Encircle Homes provide that and they provide so much help for our youth. And her her stats are incredible of the numbers that she's bringing into these homes and that they haven't lost a single youth 
to suicide um, is astounding because those numbers have been high in the past in Utah. And it's just really easy to get behind, to be honest. And we've had opportunities to be at events and hear these youth share their stories. And it is heartbreaking and exciting at the same time because there is hope. There's hope for all of us. We all deserve to be loved and we all deserve to feel like we are the best version of ourselves just the way that we are. And she has created a really cool environment for that. And so it's been it's been awesome and exciting to get behind that. Um, five for the fight. Back to that. Um, it's been an honor and a privilege and an exciting ride to be a part of five for the fight. When Ryan and his dad first started Qualtrics, I mean, the, the reason that even started was because Ryan's dad was diagnosed with cancer and Ryan was like, okay, I want to hang out with you. So let's work on something together. And there was a time early on when they decided if we ever get to the point where we have enough money to do philanthropic things with Qualtrics, we're doing it. We're going to give it all to cancer. And so at first it just started, you know, with like local Huntsman cancer and connections there. And then it just kind of grew and grew and grew to five for the fight. And I've had some of the most incredible moments with five for the fight. I mean, the first time in the arena that, that it went dark and everyone lit up their lights who had an experience with cancer, the tears were just rolling. And it, it was such a moment of, wow, it's cool to be a part of something where there's change that's happening. And I, I was able to host Fight Night, which was a part of Qualtrics X4 Summit, where they bring in thousands and thousands of their customers and they provide an awesome experience. Well, I was asked to be the creative director of Fight Night, which was a night where we brought in all sorts of um, really high-level dancers and we all joined together to support these researchers that Fire for the Fight is, is supporting. And to have those researchers out on stage and to have Twitch there screaming for them and we had all <laughs> sorts of crews dancing and the energy and the spirit of let's save lives – it was just cool to be a part of. And, um, it, yeah, it's just this platform gives us these opportunities. And we also have done this use, use the Jazz Scholarship Fund, and that has been a really cool thing. So cool. And it has been so cool to see youth have the opportunity who otherwise wouldn't have ha- get higher-level education. And um, – We've been able to meet them and we've been able to have calls with them and experience the lives that they have experienced growing up, which in some cases are almost unbelievable because they have gone through so many trials. I mean, there there is this one this one young man who he was born um, in a home, a two-bedroom apartment where eight people lived and his dad was nowhere in the picture his mom finally mustered up enough money to get them a separate apartment, but she couldn't afford to get a lock put on the door. So she would sleep with her back against the door every night so that she could provide a safe place for him. And years down the road, she ended up with cancer. And it is just a heartbreaking story. And, and the trials that, that he has been through 
and he would not have been able to continue his education. And his story has brought us to tears, and all of these stories have brought us to tears. And to have these jazz players playing for a fight and a purpose so that we can get more people educated in Utah and so that we can provide opportunities that they wouldn't have and opportunities that I had and that a lot of us have that they should have. And it's been cool to be a part of that. It's been cool to see the state rally and get behind the scholarship fund. So we, I mean, it's just awesome what we can do with this platform and, and I hope that we get to continue to do more. This is what's exciting. This is the exciting part about Utah and about change that can be made and about letting the world know that this is who we are. We want to educate our state. We want to provide opportunities for people who don't have them. We want to make sure everyone is loved and that everyone gets to be their wholehearted self. And, and Gail gave us this platform and, and she is trusting us to be stewards over it and to continue this momentum. And, and it's really fun and we're excited to be a part and hopefully continue this path. Oh my gosh. And, and our sort of passion projects really intersect, which has been really fun. Um, you know, I, we've been in, involved in Encircle for, for a lot of years now and, and feel that. And it was really fun to, to be in the house and, and have that experience together there, uh, a few, a few weeks ago. Um, fight for the fight. What a cool thing. I mean, for those that don't know, I mean, the patch was that the NBA several years ago decided, which they had never done before, that you could do businesses could sponsor a patch or, or you know, corporations or, or whatever. So that, you know, kind of like soccer where they, they can put different logos of different um, businesses or organizations on on the jerseys to basically as advertisements, right, um, for, for companies. And what's so cool about it is that when Qualtrics came in, you know, obviously before you guys were the owners and during that time and you said, uh, we'll, we'll do this instead. I mean, nobody did that. Nobody put a, a charitable organization or a fundraiser for for cancer research or anything like that on the patch. I mean, you see them all over the NBA now. You see, you know, Love, you know, the trucking company or the, you know, you see all these different ones. But how cool is that? That, that Utah, we're known for our service. We're known for our giving. Well, we're- and even the innovation behind, right? I mean, you're right. Like that yeah. is Utah at its finest is, yeah. is giving and serving and loving one another and finding more ways to do it. Yeah. And yeah, thankfully... We are, for some reason, being blessed with the opportunity to, to do it on a bigger scale, and and we're so thankful. I mean, even serving on your board is such, such a blessing and such an amazing experience because what Show Up does, it is all externally focused, outward thinking, amazing things to be a part of, and and I'm only a part of that because of this stewardship. So I'm thankful, and I I just pray that that we can keep this momentum going. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. This is this has been such a fun fun conversation and of course the scholarships are so meaningful. Um that's that's such an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you um again for being here for for sharing this conversation with me. Um we're just we're thrilled for you. We're thrilled for your family and and what it means and what you guys are doing for the state of Utah and and 
um, for children, especially in the state, but for everyone who, who maybe doesn't always have a voice. So thank you for giving them that. Well, thanks for having me. It's been fun to hang out. <laughs> thanks, Ashley. The organizations that Ashley referenced are fightforthefight.org, nba.com slash jazz slash scholarships, and encircletogether.org. Thanks for being a friend.